Well, welcome to part four. You've made it. You've finished the series. Congratulations if you've been with us the entire time. I'm just so excited uh, that we get to finish up our series today. Uh, we've called Best Christmas Ever. In week one, we talked about how to have the best Christmas lights. And it wasn't about the lights on our house. It wasn't about the lights on our tree. It was about the light of the world. Jesus, who has come to shine his light, to show us the way out of darkness, to show us the way forward. The second week, we talked about the best Christmas cooking. And we learned that the best Christmas cooking isn't about what's on the table, but who's around the table. It's not about what's on your table, but who's around your table. And so we use food to help people feel comfortable in our presence, to help build relationships so that we can have spiritual conversations. And we also talked about the best Christmas gifts, right? The best Christmas gift being something that we absolutely must have and need to have at the right moment in time. And that perfect gift is God's gift to us, the gift of Jesus. Now, we also had the best Christmas dessert party I'm still pretty wired from all of the sugar that we had like two Saturdays ago. I'm still pretty pumped. Uh, we were going to have some desserts uh, yesterday at our Christmas meal for our family. And we went, you know what? We're kind of done. We're kind of tapped out on sugar at this point. We don't need any more. And of course, on Christmas Eve, uh, many of you joined us for the best Christmas story where we got to relive the story of Scripture the announcements that came. Actually, it's interesting that that's probably the last time anyone ever listened to announcements in church. Nothing. Wow, it is a rough crowd this morning. Hopefully there was some uh, thumbs up online or some booze or something. But these angels came and announced that heaven had come down, that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and we celebrated that with the traditional lighting of candles and singing Silent Night. It was just a beautiful, beautiful moment. And that's just the things that we did as a church, right? You probably had some other events and some other things that you were doing. Uh, you probably gathered yesterday with, with family and friends. You probably had an office Christmas party or a work Christmas party if you were allowed to in this day and age of unprecedented times. I could probably go for some precedented times at this point, right? Wouldn't that be nice? Forget the unprecedented times. Let's go back to precedented. That would be fun. Anyways, uh, I'm not going to tell too many COVID jokes today. Too many. Anyways, uh, we had all this fun, and then you have all this, uh, uh, your own events and your own traditions that you do every Christmas. And now comes the cleanup. Are you excited for the cleanup? Yeah, um, if you were to come over to our house and um, uh, we were to let you in, uh, you would see that there were boxes and wrapping paper and tissue paper everywhere. We still have the supplies out from uh, wrapping the gifts the week before. They're just sitting in the hallway. There's stuff everywhere. Krista, uh, my wife, made a, a number of different uh, gifts to take to work and all of the materials to take a number of those things to work and give away her gifts are on her uh, study, uh, in, on her desk in her study. Like it's just stuff is everywhere uh, for Christmas and now comes the cleanup. 
There's paper to be picked up. There's boxes to be recycled. There's bags everywhere. There's lights that have to come down when the weather is good enough to do that. Uh, There's cooking that has to be cleaned up. And I think we probably ran 11 dishwasher loads for for a meal for three people. That's how much cleanup has to be done. And by the time you're done the cleanup, and when you're in the middle of the cleanup, you probably think, you know what? I need a vacation from Christmas vacation, right? If you feel that way online, give us a thumbs up because sometimes you just need a vacation from that Christmas vacation that you just had. And it can be a chore to do the cleanup, right? And nobody likes chores. No one growing up as a kid says, Mom, give me some chores to do. I can't wait to do chores. Do you have something for me to do? One, because your parents would fall over and meet Jesus immediately, right? Because it never happens. They're called chores because that's exactly what they are. They're negative. Nobody wants to do them. We love the celebrations. We love the buildup. We love the anticipation. We love the moment. But no one likes the cleanup. Well, as you have learned all this month, we are the Christmas experts here at Trinity Alliance. So we can help you. We helped you have the best Christmas lights, the best Christmas cooking, the best Christmas gifts, the best Christmas dessert party, the best Christmas story. And now we're going to tell you how to have the best Christmas cleanup because the cleanup that we're talking about isn't necessarily about Christmas. We talked about at the very first of our series and every Sunday in our series that Christmas is all about setting our priorities. And when it comes to cleanup from Christmas, setting your priorities matters the most. Let me show you what I mean. If you have a Bible with you, turn with me in them to that very famous never told Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, in the 41st verse, we read this. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Mary and Joseph are godly people, right? Say amen. Of course they are, because they received the instruction from the Lord, the announcement from the angel, and they both trusted. Joseph trusted to take Mary as his wife, 
believing that the child that she was carrying was the Son of God. And Mary received an announcement that said she would be giving birth to the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one who would save the people from their sins. Now, they had been going every year like every good Jewish family would. They would go to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. This was the festival. This is like Times Square New Year's Eve. This is the thing that's on television. If you want to think about, boy, tell me about what is Jewish culture like. It's the Passover. Let's talk about the Passover. That's when uh, the people of Israel were passed over while they were enslaved in Egypt. And the angel of death came and freed them from the clutches of Egypt. And they started their journey towards the promised land. This was their freedom moment. That was their declaration of independence. And they got together every year to celebrate this. And they are bringing Jesus to this massive celebration. It would be like bringing Jesus to an Easter service. That sounds weird because it's church. But get the idea. You're showing your family, you're showing your kids, this is what it means to love God and know God. It starts with this event right here. That's what they're doing in their day and age. To learn what's important in their faith. They celebrate. It's a good time. They probably did what you and I would do at uh, maybe Christmas. They'd have small gatherings. They'd go to the big services. They'd see relatives that they hadn't seen for the year. They'd see other people. There'd be a big speech. It'd be a big rah-rah moment. There'd be sacrifices. People could uh, know that their sins were atoned for. They'd celebrate. There'd be food, and then they'd go home. And on the way home, as all of probably most of their town is kind of traveling together because safety in numbers, it's just easier. And, you know, you have relatives, kind of everybody looking after one another. So where's Jesus? I don't know. I thought he was with you. We should ask around. Oh, he's probably just with some of the relatives. Why don't we just wait and see? No, I, I think we should go and look. All right, let's go and look. And so they start to look for Jesus, and he's nowhere in the caravan. He's nowhere with those who are walking towards home. Well, that's not good. I don't care what era you're from, when a 12-year-old child goes missing, um, you start to ask questions. So they started to head back to Jerusalem to see what had happened. And where do they find Jesus? Church, if your child gets lost, do you think that we should go check church? They're probably there. No, no, you're checking like you're checking sort of the uh, maybe the seedier areas downtown. Maybe you're going to the mall. Maybe you're going to the arcade. If you remember arcades, maybe you're headed down to those places. You're you're checking out all the stores. You're trying to find where they are. You're calling all of their neighbors. You're not checking church. And Jesus isn't just at church. He's not just at the temple, but he's at religious school. He's at Sunday school, and he can't wait to be there. How many of you, if your kid, if your child was lost, no matter how old they are, would think, I should ask his Sunday school teacher. They'll know where he is. They're probably hanging out together. 
I've never heard of this before. And yet Jesus is there and he's asking questions. He's wanting to learn, which is astounding to me. Because after Mary and Joseph look for three days and then finally go back to the temple and that's where he is and he's in class on a holiday. Think about that for a second. I don't know of a student who thinks at Christmas time, I can't wait for school to start again. They just finished school. They want the break. They don't want to do homework until 11.59 on the day before. They have to go back in January. And Jesus is there learning. And he's in church. And, and mom, I think, does what we all do. What are you doing? Don't you know what effect you've just had? Don't you know what you put us through. For three days we were looking for you. For three days we were anxious for you. And you turn out to be fine. Well, you just wait till you get home. Then you're not going to be fine. No, you know what I mean? Like, you know that's coming. And yet, I think that feeling that Mary had is the feeling that I think is amplified at Christmas because it's at Christmas that we want to be with our loved ones most of all, right? We want to be with family. We want to be where our closest relationships are. The people who are with us through thick and thin. That's what Christmas is for in our, in our culture. And when we have that kind of a family that gets together and it's not a stressful holiday, everybody's edifying one another, building one another up, really supporting one another. We feel encouraged. We feel strengthened by that. And when family is broken, when relationships are broken, when we're distant from our parents, when we're distant from our kids, and they don't show up because they want to. They show up because they have to. That's the feeling that Mary felt. I think the focus on relationships, at least in our culture, is what is one of the most salt and light moments that Christians can have. Because there's a lot of things that we pursue in our culture, right? That isn't about relationships. It's about work. It's about power. It's about wealth. It's about my rights. Uh, did my guy get into political office? Am I getting what I want? And, and so on. And, um, but it's at these kind of holiday when it seems like all of North America, at least, and most of the West, just kind of pauses and says, maybe there's something better. And they focus on family. And I don't know about you, I'm not making a blanket statement for what you believe or don't believe, but um, I hear more about broken families than I do families that are whole. And it's at Christmas that we are reminded of what's important. Relationships matter. If we have them at Christmas, we want to keep that going, right? 
We don't want it to stop on the 26th or January 1st. We want to keep that strong. And if we don't have it, it makes the Christmas holidays even harder, right? For those of us who have broken relationships, for those of you that have broken relationships, the holidays are hard. It's stressful because people feel even more alone. What's amplified is the importance of relationships. And what Mary is trying to express is the importance of relationships. How could you do this to us? We're your parents. You could have at least told us you wanted to stay a day or two. You could have done that. We're what's important to you. And she's right, isn't she? Or is she? It's interesting because Mary was anxious. We don't know how Joseph felt, but I think he went along for the journey regardless. Whatever you need, dear, let's, uh, let's find him. He maybe started to worry a little bit later than Mary, if he's like uh, most husbands are today. But um, even after a while, a 12-year-old missing in Jerusalem is probably some cause for maybe we should find whatever version of an Amber Alert is that we can give and let's give it across the city. But Jesus isn't worried, and he's not worried because he's 12, and he doesn't know any better. As a matter of fact, he challenges Mary on her assumption about why are you treating me like this, about his mother's assumption when she says, why aren't you thinking of us, when he responds to her question. He says this in Luke 2, 49, why were you searching for me? In other words, you should have known where I would be. Now, why are you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let me read that again. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and grew in favor with God and man. Jesus does believe that family is the most important thing. And what he says about God is groundbreaking theology in that day. Because he says, yes, family is the most important thing. So why did you not think I would be with my family? He calls God his father at the age of 12. I think at this holiday, at this Passover, Jesus knew that there was nothing more important than family. And he wanted to spend time with his father most of all. Even if it meant his parents got a little nervous for three days. He prioritized his family. He's not insulting or ignoring Mary and Joseph. He's not belittling them and the role in their lives. But he has come to an understanding of who he is and who God wants 
him or what God wants him to do at the age of 12. How many of us could say that we knew exactly what God wanted us to do before we became adults, let alone teenagers? And this is what's happening to Jesus. And the implications of this are fascinating. The first implication is Jesus was never lost. Jesus was simply with the one who mattered the most, with his heavenly Father. And the second implication is this. Christmas is the same proof that we need to be with family. And Christian, that means putting your heavenly Father first before your earthly family. It's interesting. Christmas is proof, right, that God loves you the most because he gave the greatest gift. He gave the greatest gift of exactly what you would need for this time, for all of time, and all of eternity. It is the perfect gift to have your sins forgiven and to know you have eternal life. And it is the perfect gift that you can have a relationship with God. And it's all because of this baby that was born, Jesus and he wants to spend time with you. That's why churches are the most busy at Christmas, because it's a chance for you to spend time with your heavenly Father. I like the metaphor of marriage here, because I can't imagine a marriage that would be successful, where after the couple says, I do, the husband says, well, as long as I see you for one day a week, for about an hour, maybe 90 minutes at the most, but man, we better not go past noon, because I got stuff to do. I don't know of a marriage that lasts without serious time invested from the wife into her husband and the husband into her wife. How was your day? What are you thinking? Let's process that. I can see you're struggling. How can I come alongside you? I don't think our relationship with God is dissimilar from a marriage. I think what Jesus understood at a very early age was that he was God's son. That the scriptures proved it and he studied it to figure out what are the implications of that. But more so because he realized that God loved him most of all. And he wanted to know the God that loved him most of all. And to do that, that took time. How long does it take to be good at something? Well, I'm going to assume that you would all agree that Jesus was pretty good at knowing who God is. And being able to describe him, right? How long does it take to be good at something? Or how do you get to be good at something uh, as an expert? There was a study that was done in 2007, uh, an article uh, was written about it in Harvard Business Review, that did a study on what it takes to be an expert in anything. And here's what they discovered. There's no correlation between intelligence and performance in fields such as chess, music, sports, and medicine. That's fascinating. The only differences that they saw that would be outliers in the data primarily were involved in sports where you could have height and size, uh, those uh, two things making a difference. So the factor that seemed to say you will be successful is time. The article said 
One thing correlates with success. One thing emerges very clearly that ties them all together is that successful performers had studied intensively, had studied with devoted teachers, practiced, and been supported enthusiastically by their families throughout their developing years. And do you know what that means? It's not talent that makes you an expert at anything. It's time. Any skill can be learned. It's time invested that makes a difference. And Jesus decided at the age of 12 and before the age of 12 that he wanted to be an expert in who God is. And look at the difference that Jesus made in the world. That's amazing to me that he would do that. My mentor says all the time, you set your priorities, then your priorities set you. In other words, what will you be an expert in in your life? Because you have the same 24 hours a day and you have the same seven days a week that Jesus does, that Jesus did. What will you be an expert in? What if you were to decide, I want to be like Jesus and I want to be an expert in knowing God. What would that take? I think it takes time. I think it takes time and the dedication. We will sacrifice a good thing in order to have the best thing. I will sacrifice watching every bowl game over the next seven days in order to spend time with my wife, my son, and our families. That's what you do. You do that for the things that matter. Do you really want to be an expert in Netflix? Do you want to be the world's best expert in Facebook? Do you want to be the world's best expert in politics? Do you want to be the world's best expert in? Well, you name it. And those things aren't wrong. But it's interesting that Jesus said, here's what I want to be an expert in. Because I know the one that loved me the most, my Father. So I want to know him most of all. Here's the thing about how this all fits with how to have the best Christmas cleanup. Good people, good Christian people, make a fundamental mistake with Jesus. And that is, they believe that they can be an expert in who he is with an hour a week. Which we've already talked about cannot happen because... Well, you'd never have a marriage if you were to decide to do that. You'd never be close to someone if you said, I'm only going to give you an hour of my time every week. Some people take a step up and go a little bit farther and they think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to grab a daily bread and I'm going to read that for five minutes a day. And that's going to help me. And again, if you were to give your spouse five minutes out of your day, even if it's every day, would you say you really knew your spouse? Of course not. So why do we say we know God? I think what good Christian people do is they take the baby Jesus out of their nativity scene 
and they pack him up with all of the other decorations and they wait until next year. And then they bring him out again, they put him on the mantle, they put him in that special spot and they always keep him as baby Jesus, meek and mild, rather than allowing him to grow up. But the problem is you can't put baby Jesus in a box. And Mary and Joseph learned that very quickly. The question is, will we learn that? Jesus clearly spent years of his life understanding who he was, hearing the stories that his mom and dad told him that he really was the son of God, but then he also went to the source and started to ask questions, started to do his own study, started to do his own learning, and dedicated himself to following through on what God wanted him to do, which was know him, which was to love him with all his heart, his soul, his mind, his strength. Do you want to know what the best Christmas cleanup is? Don't put Jesus into storage in your life. Don't put Jesus into a small little compartment of time in your life. The best Christmas cleanup keeps Jesus first and foremost all year long. And what if you, this year, decided to do exactly that, to keep Jesus first and foremost with your time all year long? I think it would do two things. I think you would answer two questions. I think what you would do is that you would discover that the wonder of Christmas doesn't have to fade because you're focusing on the relationship most of all, and it's, in, it's encapsulated in these two questions. The first question is this, what will I do to increase my knowledge of God? What will I do to increase my knowledge of my Heavenly Father? Will I listen to some Christian podcasts while I'm driving to work? Will I get into a book study with some Christian friends? Well, I decide I'm going to read the Bible in a year. What will I do? What will I do this year to increase my knowledge of God? And the second question is uh, also as necessary. There are two parts of the same coin. Um, what will I do in order to increase my closeness with God? I want to increase my knowledge of and I want to increase my closeness to because you can increase your knowledge of someone and, you know, you can do it in such a way that you're just a stalker, right? You can Google people and you can know all sorts of facts and information about them and they're like, why are you invading my privacy? I think some Christians do that. They know a lot about God, but they're not close to God. So what will you do with your time to allow yourself to increase your closeness with God? Maybe it's you take a weekend and you go on a retreat. You go to a conference, not just to learn about God, but to draw close to God. Maybe you decide, I'm going to get up an hour earlier every day and meditate on the names of God. Whatever you decide to do, it is interesting that Jesus would later say, seek and you will find. 
as we look for God, we will discover that God has been looking for us to show us what the great catechism says. Our, our chief purpose of all people, chief purpose of man is to enjoy God, know him forever. I think I got that right. It's not in my notes, so I'm kind of winging that. But it's interesting. Those two questions, I think, shape what you will do with Jesus at the end of Christmas. What will I do to increase my knowledge of God, and what will I do to increase my closeness with God? Or even better, because God is family, what will I do to increase my knowledge of my heavenly Father? And what will I do to increase my closeness with my heavenly Father? What will you do? Relationships are built over time. It's true for our earthly relationships, and it's true for our spiritual ones as well. And for the God who gave so much to us, He longs for us to know Him and to be close to Him. The best Christmas cleanup doesn't put Jesus into storage. He's not a Christmas decoration. He's the most important person and most loving person that you could ever know. The best Christmas cleanup keeps Jesus first and foremost all year long. So church, Christian, you get to decide. Will you keep the wonders of his love close to you all year by prioritizing your time, knowing and growing close to your heavenly father? Let me pray for you. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we ask that your spirit would speak to us just in the quiet of this moment and that you would show us what we gain when we prioritize time learning about you and growing close to you. Not only that, Father, would you show us what we gain, but would you show us what we need to give in order to have that. I ask, Lord, that not another day, not another moment would go by that we waste when we could be spending time with the one who loves us so much. Lord, as we seek to know you, as we seek to grow close to you from this day forward into 2022 and beyond, I pray that this would be a watershed moment for us, that this would be a uh, flag in the, in the sand that says we will commit our time. to build a relationship with those who love us the most. Would you help us not to put Jesus back into a box ever again? Would you forgive us because we have done so in the past and we ask for your help. We ask for your help, Lord, in knowing you 
growing close to you all year long. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.